Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast of two guys in their 20s giving their perspective on the games that we love, headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Winza Burns, and my co-host, Savon Morris, was not able to be on for this one, but tonight I'm joined by a special guest, first-time guest, I'm Jamil Davis, a Florida State Coordinator at Black Votes Matter and former field organizer at Next Gen America. And um, thank you so much, uh, Jamil, for, for being on for the first time. This is an absolute pleasure. And I'm good, man. I'm I'm proud to be on. I'm very honored, and um, just looking forward to tonight, man. Like this sounds like this is gonna be a a really really dope episode. So I'm I'm good to be. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, man, absolutely. And um, for tonight, we're gonna get into a few free agency topics, also some album reviews, and um, in the second half, we're gonna do a review of Malcolm X. To start off with, just thoughts on the major additions to the Lakers. Um, the Lakers added in this free agency, and if they're the clear favorites in the West, um, this recent free agency period has included a lot of new acquisitions um, for them. There's also the contrast of analyzing um, how they brought in older players as well. Mm-hmm. This past Tuesday, they added Carmelo Anthony. Um, the week before, they traded for Westbrook and traded Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Hero, and Contavious Caldwell Pope in a draft pick. Um, you also got Wayne Ellington, Trevor Rees, and Kendrick Nunn. But kind of like, just what are your initial thoughts on how? after the Lakers were in free agency, and do you think these moves will, will massively help them for next season? Um, I, I think, I think this puts them, this puts them in a really good place. Um, yeah. if everybody can stay, if, if all the everybody major can stay pieces healthy. can stay healthy. Yeah. yeah. Like, if all the major pieces can stay healthy, I think this puts them in a great, great position. Um, and yeah, I, I remember having an initial conversation about this when, um, when we all were together this past Sunday yeah. and just really digging into how LeBron the Westbrook fit. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and how, Le, and how LeBron basically has just been really looking for somebody to just be like the, the, the take charge guy. And, you know, he really thought, he really thought Anthony Davis was going to be that guy, but right. um I, I really do think Westbrook, Westbrook is that guy, especially, you know, clutch time, fourth quarter clutch time. Um, I think that's going to really be what separates um, separates Westbrook from all the rest of the people that's on, on the Laker team. Um, I think, you know, having Melo on there, Melo going to give you that, that solid um, 25, 20, 25, 30. Um, you know, LeBron, he, he going, he's going to be the, the strength in the middle. Um, yeah. I, I just think the X factor really right now is can they all stay healthy and, and more so can, um, Anthony Davis stay healthy more than any, more than anything, um, to really be the person that Westbrook is feeding, Westbrook is feeding to when, he don't really want to go on a tangent and and get his and get his 35 40 right. as i like to say so yeah 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 I, I think this is this is going to shape up to be a pretty interesting season and cuz a lot know, of teams in the west are coming back yeah. healthy as well i mean golden state's coming back too and and you I mean you have a phoenix team that has more experience has more experience now it's interesting cuz i think even even denver jamal murray wasn't there for this past postseason i feel right. as though it's going to be one of those years where especially with other teams coming back healthy. The Lakers should be at the top, but they still are going to have a lot of resistance as well. Oh yeah, they definitely it's definitely going to be a challenge for them. Um, I, I think their free agency signings do put them in 
in the place to be the favorites. Yeah, um, but I, I'm definitely not counting counting out Devin Devin Booker and, and CP3 <laughs> over in Phoenix. So, uh, yeah, yeah, this this about to be next season going to be a really interesting season um, on the on the west on the west west coast. So, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, definitely, absolutely, and, and transitioning to just also I main thoughts on the on an Eastern Conference team that uh, um you know was able to have not not uh, have as good of a season. Um, this past year having an early, you know, playoff exit to Milwaukee. But mm-hmm. in terms of just Kyle Lowry heading to Miami, just um how the Heat are reloading. Um, they recently traded Goran Dragic in a sign and trade for Lowry, just one of the first major developments of free agency. Um, Miami also brought back restricted free agent Duncan Robinson on a five-year 90 million deal. Then they added added PJ Tucker from the Bucks. And he, you know, he's known to be just a, a versatile defender and corner three specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in terms of just like, you know, the Heat having a big three in Butler, Adebayo, and Lowry. Like, do you think this this team has like significantly increased their chances of, of being a top competitor again in these? Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like they're I feel like they're in the spot to be a, a really strong contender. Yeah. Um, you know, you gotta you got you gotta look, look at the the factors. You got factor in though. Um, Atlanta is a really young team. And they're really strong, and they're a really strong team. And you know, Trey Young is Trey Young is really doing his thing, and they're starting to, um, yeah. and they're starting to really put the pieces together to be a really cohesive team to like really be fearful of and look at. Um, you know, Giannis ain't trying to, um, Giannis ain't trying to let that title go. He's not you trying know, to slow down anytime soon <laughs> at all. No, Giannis ain't trying to. Um, Ain't, ain't trying to slow down no time soon over in Milwaukee. He he got a taste of a title, yeah. and you know now it's it's you know it's go time. You know we got to defend that title, um, and then of course um, Chicago Brooklyn. just got some Chicago just got some new additions as well. Oh no, definitely Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I I know like with with what happened in this past postseason, like we didn't see them at their full strength, but like when those three are healthy. I, I still think that's going to be the best team in the East. Literally, yeah. Like you can't count out KD, Kyrie, and um, and James Harden. Nah, like a- absolutely not. And they picked up Patty Mills as well. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like we we we're now we we now cooking with some sauce when it comes mm-hmm. to the to the NBA. Um, and at any it's going to be a great season. Nah, man. Yeah, at any given moment, is is you you have you have the makings of no no conference is like a really strong dominant conference anymore because you got right. really strong dominant players in either conference, you know, or any of the teams in either conference. So yeah, yeah, we next season gonna be that season to to really talk about, especially the key thing, especially if everybody stays stays healthy um yeah so so you would say lakers and nets are are the two favorites right now um yes definitely um yes with with so in the eastern conference i would say i would say brooklyn Mm. but one a well one b um would be milwaukee yeah, you, you can't count out the defending champs. It's yeah. still a, a team you got, and especially with Giannis getting better just every year. And if his jump shot improves, like mm-hmm. it's gonna, they're still gonna be a tough team. Absolutely, yeah. 
Um, and, and now transitioning to a team that's, you know, an up and coming team that's trying to get to a postseason berth um, with the Bulls and just how this is a new look team, just how the pieces could, um, the new pieces could fit. They made a large amount of moves with acquiring Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, and, Al- and also Alex Russo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're, they're surrounding Zach Levine, just one of the best scorers in the league now with um, a revamped roster. And this could be just the best team so far of, Le- of Levine's career. But even though DeRozan has a mid-range style, you know, he has shot selection and, and playmaking that has evolved in the last three years. Um, do you think this new look Bulls team can be enough to propel uh, Zach Levine to his first postseason um, in terms of just it being, you know, that bottom half of the East is going to be tough to get into, but it does seem as though they have made, you know, significant improvements. I think this is pro- I think this is possibly the best chance that Zach Levine has in Chicago to get into the postseason yeah. and to really stay stay within the postseason, not just be right. a oh we in the first round and then we out. Yeah, just first round and happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Lonzo is improving. Every, Lonzo Ball is improving every day, like Definitely. every, every day. Um, and, you know, you put them two together, Zach Levine and, and, and Lonzo Ball, I think you got a, I think you got a good combination. Um, I think you got a good combo. And um, like you said, with the other, with the other additions that they just acquired as, um, as well in addition to Lonzo, um, it's looking, it's looking up for them in Chicago. It, it really is. It really is looking up for them in Chicago. Um, you know, they should really take, um, it's, they should really take key moments in this off season to really um, figure out a way to be, to get that cohesiveness, um, you know, before they step out regular season and, you know, start, start killing it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, nah, like um, we we we're we looking at, I I feel like we're looking at a really different different Bulls team, a really different Bulls team in the sense of, um, trying to get back to those, trying to get back to those glory days, not necessarily the glory days of the nineties, but the glory days. It's, of, it's gonna be impossible to get back to those glory days. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but those glory days are like you know. Derrick Rose, Rose, Carlos yeah. Boozer, you know, that era. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and another headline I forgot to mention was Kimba Walker with the Knicks. And obviously, like, there's a lot of history for, for, for them back there. And then the Knicks are able to make the postseason um, since 20, for the first time since 2013 this year. And, um, you know, they agreed to abide with the Thunder and just, you know, he signed into the Knicks' remaining cap space. And then this this addition for, for, for them to meet is also just, it, it's, it's really a no-brainer because, you know, it's a low risk, high reward type of situation. Kimball yeah. Walker is an extremely efficient point guard. And the the left knee injury issues in the past few years have been kind of a, a bit of a concern. But do you think like like what are your thoughts on that upgrade at the point guard position for them and um how they can build on their their first pro season appearance in a long time? Yeah, not having to really give up a significant piece on their yeah. team in order to get Kim Kimball Walker. That's a plus. That's always a plus. And yeah. then to have such a strong showing this year um in the pro season that that puts that puts them in a great a great great spot um i feel like kimba might be the the missing piece that they were looking for to um to to have a a strong showing next next season you know we'll um we'll definitely see especially yes. with the especially with what i like to call the crosstown rivalry between them and Bro- between them and brooklyn um mm-hmm. 
So yeah, like we we definitely gonna see, but I, I think they got a nice, I think they got a nice opportunity. Definitely a nice opportunity. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And and before we get into our album reviews, you, you even mentioned we, we had, I think the probably the top verses that that, that we that we may have ever had, Dipset in the Locks. Yeah. And 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 obviously we just we just see just legendary like like with Jada Kiss, Jim Jones, um, just just so many um just legendary performances and revisiting just the past and just in a great way. Kind of kind of just like what were your initial thoughts of that as just an historic night for hip hop in New York and just what we were able to see in that night because it really was just one of those memorable shining moments in the versus history. Like I mean, you you have to look at memorable moments in Madison Square Garden because that's what that's what this versus was held at. Memorable moments in yeah. Madison Square Garden, and I, I really feel like this ranks in the top three of memorable mm-hmm. moments in Madison Square Garden. Um, the 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 showing that the locks had um, was was about near. Four games to one in in the, in the NBA Finals. Yes, type, type showing. It was know, a gentleman sweep. Yeah, literally, because it's like you know, Dipset that Dipset had their moments. You know, yeah. Dipset had they had their moments in the battle, but it, it literally was a nice four four games four games to one um, yeah. in the finals with um, JD Kiss definitely taking the finals MVP performance. Just stole the entire show. Like I mean, Kiss literally controlled. He controlled the stage. He controlled mm-hmm. the crowd from the moment that they stepped on, from the moment that they stepped on stage. Like, you know, he took, he literally took Dipset out of their, he took Another them out element. of their game, type, took them out of their element. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam wasn't really trying to, he really wasn't trying to get off on a lot of the songs. He really was trying to leave everything for Jewels and, um, and Jim Jones. Um, but once that Biggie Who Shot Your Beat dropped and Jada Kiss spits his 2010 Who Shot Your Freestyle, um, Cam was I mean, like, you might as oh, well my. have just ended the show there. You might as well just, uh, it, it, it yeah. was one of those moments where he was just like, oh, the game set match. It, like it was, it was done then. Like Cam was like, oh man, like, no, they really not playing. Like I, I mm-hmm. gotta get up. I gotta get up and spit now. Um, I think one of my favorite, favorite moments of the verses was when they do um oh boy and when dipset does oh boy and hey ma and then after they do um hey ma Jewel santana's like yeah so i don't really think that they like i don't really think the lots like girls i, I really don't think they like girls because like you know they feel like we performing like we we in prison like we in attica like you know with some ladies up in here and then kiss looked at him and was like what you think we ain't got songs with the lady for the ladies? <laughs> and then we get and then we just go into the ladies medley, ride or die shit. <laughs> right um, that right quick. <laughs> Mar- Mariah Carey, Mariah Carey Honey, which they got a Grammy for, which mm-hmm. which which is a, another stellar moment for Jada Kiss, because he was just like, yo, like we got Grammys. They don't know what Grammys look like. They know what Grams look like, but they don't know what Grammys look like. <laughs> I was exactly. just like, yo, J- Jada had moments the entire night to where it was just like yo just like off of just off of swagger alone like the lots gets it but then bars just bars at the bars at the bars at the bars and you could really see the chemistry with with them um because most people don't really know this but most of the 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 three key members of dipset 
like they really don't get along now. Like mm. Jim, Jim and Cam get along a little bit. Jim and Jewels get along, but Cam and Jewels don't get along. And so you could see that. You could see how it was visible. Yeah, it, 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 the vibes were off. Yeah, the vibes were definitely off. Where, whereas with with um with the locks, like it's a brotherhood, I've never heard one instance where it was like, oh man, like we could possibly be seeing the locks. Like this, this could be the end. Of, they've never had that moment. They've always been right. a team. They've always been a crew, a family. And if they have any internal, I mean, they have any type of issues, they keep them internal. So like. Yeah, like spectacular. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I let people know from the moment that I let people know from the moment that the verses was announced. I was like, "Yo, the locks winning it," especially when yeah, especially when you saw that it was going to be a battle and not just this, you know, friendly display of catalogs. When- and that's what we've seen in the past, though. We, we've seen like more of a friendly display where, where it's just like everybody's just, just just still like you know warm and cordial, and it's not like you're really going at the other person. Yeah, but when Styles and but when Styles P and Jim Jones started shooting Instagram videos at each other, like mm-hmm. weeks and weeks before um, the verses, I was like, oh, they they coming in, won the battle, and if that's what oh, yeah. you're doing, then the lot's gonna win it. And everybody was looking at me like, but. Like Jamil Dipset got hits. I was like, okay, that's that's fine. But y'all not factoring in Jada Kiss solos and his features, Styles P solos and his features, the locks as a group, yeah. their songs and their features. Um, and then if they do the same thing that Jada Kiss and Fabulous did, which they did, you gotta factor in mixtape stuff too. Um, and the interesting thing about that was um, Styles P said in the interview the next day after the verses, he was like, Diddy literally called them, Puff Daddy literally called them the day of the verses and was like, yeah, so y'all need to add mixtape songs because y'all got mixtape songs that's better than most people's regular songs, including their oh, regular yeah. songs. Um, and, and so that's how we ended up getting the, the Who Shot Your Freestyle moment. Maybe be because of Puff, you know. So like, wow. shout out to Puff. Kudos to Puff. Like most people be saying, like Puff really isn't a producer like that. But mm, yo, I bet we differ. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, but no, like this, this has to be top three verses ever, and quite possibly, and quite arguably, the best verses. Ever. I know it's the best hip hop versus ever, hands down. Oh, definitely, definitely without hip hop. The Isley Brothers and Earth Wind and Fire is another like in terms of just any verses, mm-hmm. it's definitely up there in terms of just like one of the best ones they've had. But this one for hip hop is so hip hop clear number one is is definitely is definitely the locks and and dipset. Like any other hip hop groups or hip hop artists, they do verses after that. Like you got you got to live up to that, and and it was in the garden. Like that that was that's what made it. That's what made it even A better. Moment. Yeah, like mm-hmm. sold yeah. out garden. So yeah, mm-hmm. incredible. Um, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what a night. Um, getting into our album reviews to start off with. Um, Isaiah Rashad's "The House Is Burning." Just how his concepts and themes have expanded. Um, in his latest album, there, there's just a newfound joy and poise. Um, you've got elements of uh, R&B and Southern rap. Um, the lyrical style he has is very unique. And with this third album. Looking back at the last two he, he's had, he's got a very sophisticated discography mm-hmm. and there's songs that have more of a staccato flow like from the garden. And then 
a song like Score has just a fully embraced R&B sound, um, especially when it comes to songs like like that and a few other ones, is really when you see him um, just in an effective writing mode. But what are your thoughts on kind of just this album and, and also just the five-year gap he took between his last album and this one? And how much do you think that possibly helped to see just kind of a different burst and and just, you know, energy into the type of music he was making? I know, I know a lot of artists... Um... We're really dealing with things. We're really dealing with a lot of things because of the pandemic and yeah. you know just not being really not really being able to um, maneuver like how we normally do as artists. Um, I know on top of that, um, Isaiah which I said was saying that he was dealing with a lot of in, internal stuff um, in his life as well. Um, which is the reason behind that that five year um delay internal stuff mm-hmm. within themselves and then stuff with with the label, which I was I was very glad to see, you know, things like that being pat um being patched up because I always felt like Isaiah Rashad was like the sleeper, the um in T D the sleeper on T D E. You know, yeah. like T D E already got a already got a stat roster and then here come Isaiah Rashad um with the um with the with the demo album as i like to call it and you know it just really puts him on it puts him on the map and it puts him in a place where you know we were now not necessarily checking for for kendrick and kendrick and schoolboy and um absol all the time you know like it's it's always oh, i was like oh you okay isaiah rashad coming with some new stuff okay like you know we gotta peep this out um, and, and I was very, I was very, very impressed with the album. Like it, it was, it was very, very southern, very, very yes. southern, um, very, very southern, very, very smooth, like very layered. Like it was, it was really layered too. Um, and when it, it was a quality project, yeah. And, and when it came to the the features, there weren't a lot of features, but the features made sense on yes. on the songs. So, like Smino on Claymore made the most sense in the world. Oh, no, I mean, they, yeah. that it just it was was perfect. Yeah, and then the the, the joint that he got with, with with Uzi, um, yeah, from the garden. Yeah, that was incredible. Like, um, U- Uzi's been, and it's rare to see Isaiah do bangers like that. Like, like sometimes you don't see him like going that lane, but it seems like he really wanted to expand. Just even lay with you, like, like that was a different type of song for him. Like he yeah. he really kind of like explored different avenues for him to go into. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Uh, I, and shout out to Uzi again, like Lil Uzi as of late, with the features that um with the features that Uzi been doing, like they've been incredible. So um like the shout out, like the the whole album top notch. Like I, I really respected what Isaiah was bringing to the table with with this album. Um, I'm just you know waiting to see waiting to see what else you know we got going on on um. On TDE, um, yeah, and that was that was another thing I was going to ask you. Like, like what in terms of this starting off like one of the biggest, you know, uh, TDE releases of the year so far. Where where do you th- like who else from the label do you think we, we could possibly see this year in terms of just like the headliners, maybe the the, the SZA or um, the the the, the Schoolboy Huge, just so many different artists we could possibly even J Rock that we could possibly see and maybe like you want to see. Um, for the rest of this year, I feel like we may be getting another. I feel like we may be getting a Schoolboy Q album this year. Um, yeah. 
I definitely feel like we 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 possibly gonna get a Kendrick album this year. Like really? I, I, I honestly feel like we're gonna get a Kendrick album this year. I I feel that way because um he been really quiet, like too quiet. Some plotting. Yeah, like too quiet. And he been surveying, he's been surveying what's really going on. Um mm-hmm. you know, Tyler Tyler came with the Tyler came with the banger. Call me if you get lost. Um, yes. you know, that's to me, to me, best album of the year I've heard so far. Yeah, literally, like still, still right now. Um, you know, Nash has dropped an awesome, incredible, incredible project. Yeah, everybody gets to that. Um, you know, Kanye, you know, is still being very secretive with this with this Donda project. <laughs> we we don't know when that's dropping. I, mean, I don't know when that's dropping. I mean, for real, like you know, like this is the second time, Jamil. I, I I've scheduled this as a topic. And it hasn't and it hasn't come through. Like it's it's twenty four songs. We know it's going to be an expanded track list, but I really it, it's just it's just very mysterious when he when he actually wants to come out with it. And I feel like that's the biggest the biggest question mark of this month. I know I really I know I really legitimately woke up this morning and I asked like three I asked like three of my <laughs> friends. I was like, "Yo, this Donda came out yet?" Cause it, cause I ain't got it on Spotify. I was like, maybe, <laughs> I was like, maybe he just putting it out just on Apple, just on Apple Music, and that's why I, I have heard that, that that he may do that. Like he actually may just put on. Apple. I, I hope he doesn't, but I have heard that that may be yeah. possible. And so, um, I got friends that have like media rips from the from the second listening session, or yeah. they actually did look at the Apple Music stream of the second listening yeah. session and they was like, oh, like these these songs, like these songs are dope. Like, you know. Songs were incredible. I I, I yeah. definitely the, the second listen party to me was was much better than the first one. It sounded more complete. Like like this album may be actually finished. Yeah. So like I mean we we might get it before this month is over with. I don't know. Might. You know, might. but that's that's I that's all I'm gonna say. Like Maybe yeah, I'm, not, I'm not confident, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but I, I just think that's what I think that's what Kendrick is doing. Like he's he's surveying the situation, and then it's just like, mm, okay, let's just go ahead and drop this album that's already done. Because like, I, I, that's the other thing. I, I feel like for the most part, um, there's a completed project lurking somewhere, and, and you know, we just want to. We just want to pick the right time and the right opportunity to drop it. Um, and I feel like he may pull one of these surprise release scenarios. Yeah. So I mean, and, and even with Kendrick, like you look at his entire catalog in terms of just what he's been able to do in his four like like studio albums have just I mean, it's been as great of a run any rapper's ever had in terms of mm-hmm. studio albums. But like in terms of just overall how we look at Kendrick in terms of like who's who are like the goats of this generation like would you say in terms of when we look back at this generation would you have like Kendrick at that kind of like the top of that list um when all is said and done of, of what this generation like is able to accomplish um at the end oh yeah like Kendrick is as as far as this generation goes Kendrick is the greatest MC yeah. of this generation hands down um yeah. and Kendrick's the greatest MC of this generation um J. Cole is the greatest artist of this generation, meaning, um, you know, he's able to produce a lot of his his records, you know, while um, being able to just effort, effortlessly give you bars. Um, right. And 
I know we give I know we give Drake a lot of flack for not being for using Ghost Riders. The only He's a reason, hit maker. The He's only a hit reason maker. I give Drake for the only reason I give Drake flack for that is because Drake's pen, like without Ghost Riders, Drake's pen is incredible. Like Drake has one of the Drake has one of the nastiest pens. Um, so in, in the game, period. Like I, I feel like for this generation, he's like the the, the best songwriter out of this generation yes. because there's a lot of songs that Drake has written himself for other people that people don't really know about that that are bangers. Um, written songs for Kanye. Yeah, like you know, it's written songs for Kanye. Um, wrote wrote "Duty Unthinkable" for um, Alicia Keys. Keys, um yeah. wrote um not your type for Jamie Foxx. I'm I'm like um <laughs> that's crazy. You know, wrote for he he wrote um one of the biggest hits of um on the Dirty Money album. Like, you know, Drake got Drake has songs and Drake has an incredible pen that people really overlook. Um and so that's why I feel like he might be like he honestly legitimately like might be like one of the greatest songwriters of this of this generation, period. Um and of course, you know, Crit is the Crit is just the the sleeper giant out of out of yeah. all of them. Because he's able to do everything mm-hmm. as well and he's able to do it like very effortlessly. So yeah, like just um this is one of the this is one of the better eras of of hip-hop as well um i just wish we were able to really 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 truly within the mainstream show that balance show show that balance that's that's within the game um but with those with those particular artists i think they'll be the mainstays of of this generation um like how we have Nas, Jay, 50, yeah. Kanye, you know, being the mainstays of that particular generation. So, yeah. Definitely. Um, and, and now getting to, into Nas' new album, King, uh, King, King's Disease uh, 2, and just thoughts on the variety of features he had in this mm-hmm. one in his latest album of his. Um, you know, he's really embracing his status as a, um, as a genre great, and you have big climatic moments with Features from from legendary artists like Lauren Hill, which I mean that that song was just uh, just a, a perfect track. Get, hearing her again, also Eminem, and then he teams up with Hip Boy, yeah. in which they have just have had phenomenal collaborations. Um, you've got songs where there's you know dirty uh, break beats and then uh, speed up samples, uh, sped up samples and cinematic soundscapes. But um, j- just what are your thoughts on this album and what were the best parts of it? Because I really thought this was a, a very well put together project. Um, another you know highlight of this summer, just in this year, in terms of what Nas has been able to continue to do, and it really feels as though the, the just the the chemistry him and Hit Boy have is just at at top notch. I honestly feel like I honestly feel like King Disease Two is a lot better than the, than than King King Disease One. Um, this album, he's this album he has like a a Hit Boy was really in his bag on this album yes. with what he does as far as production is concerned. And then Nas was still able to just really just give you that grown man rap um mm-hmm. over over the Hit Boy production. I feel like I feel like Nas and Hit Boy 
Nas and Hit Boy should really just continue to to do music. Just work yeah, together. Just continue to do music together. Um, because it works. Like it, it it really, really works. Like, you know, just for nostalgia's sake though, like Nas, if I can get a Nas and, and premiere album, I can get that album, like I'd be fine. And then you can just go back to just doing work with hit boy um <laughs> but no nah, like yeah 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 the the, the naza hit boy combo works and it, and it worked really well on on this album um i i, I literally was expecting lauren I, I was expecting another if i rule the world i was expecting lauren to come on and and, and, and sing the cats but then lauren come on and you know i'm i'm lost ones lauren like i'm i'm mm. miseducation Spit, I'm miseducation <laughs> spitting Lauren and like yes. Lauren showed y'all like yo like I'm I'm still nice like don't count me out as as one of the a quick reminder yeah quick nice little reminder of not to count her out as one yeah. of the, the one of the nicest MCs um in the game period and um EPMD two well it was fire like that that was no that time. was that was that was one of my one of my hype joints. Like it, it was good, honestly, to hear hear EPMD. Um, and then Eminem just comes on and just like, mm, I'm M. I'm Marshall. This <laughs> this is this is what I this is what I do. And y'all gonna put me on a song with Nas. Like, okay, like that that's fine. Let me let me show you what I do when I'm on a when I'm on a song with Nas. It, yeah. Fly, fly, very fire. Um rare, rare is my favorite joint. Rare and the track with with Lauren Hill. I like Store Run too. Yeah, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was a good. Just some classic. It, it, it just just that that old just that vintage Nas sound. It just I mean, obviously, I I feel as though Illmatic is it may be the greatest rap album I've ever heard. Like in terms of just a, a concise mm-hmm. album, um, it, it's it's right up there. But I mean, it, it really feels as though this. This project, even though I, I did like King's Disease, I feel as though this one was a superior yeah. body of work. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, Brunch on Sunday. Brunch on Sunday is 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 one of my joints. Also, mm. um, that's that's a good one. Um, because you know, like we we not we we not talking about being on on the streets no more. We are not talking about being on the corner no more. Like I'm grown, so I'm I'm, I'm gonna tell you yeah. what I do as 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 a grown up. Me me and my son, I go pick my son up, and me and my son we we going out to brunch. You know, with with the new lady in in my life, you know, like that's what we do yeah. now. Like, and, but the way the way he does it is it's just it's Nas. Like, it's exactly. it's you, you know, he brings it as only Nas can bring it, and it's in, like shout out to Nas, man. Like King's Disease too. Like, big it, props, big props. That's the props. Like it is it, it was a stellar. Round it's a stellar blocks. album. Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the yes. next one with him and Hit Boy. Hit Boy, yes. So, yeah. <laughs> definitely, yeah. And, and, and I mean, and, and before transitioning to our movie mm-hmm. review, you know, obviously with um, Drake and Kanye, those are the two next big albums that that are that are mm-hmm. you know brewing, and those are they're always they're always going to be compared in some way because it's interesting. Ever since like I think 2011, every year Drake has dropped, yeah. Kanye has dropped. And it's always been just one of those things about a comparison of like, are they plotting? Is this going on? Like in terms of like when these albums do come possibly this month, like how do you, do you think, do you think there's going to be an instant comparison and like, who are you expecting more from? Because they are just in that zone of 
it's been a while since we heard an album from them and now we're we're they're really loading up to try to deliver another great party. I feel like um I feel like Kanye has something to prove with Donda. Yeah. Um Kanye trying to get them fans back. Like Kanye mm-hmm. trying to get that that piece of his fan base that left when he put that red hat on. Um and exactly. you know, he's trying to show them like, yo, like I'm I'm not just I'm not just the red hat guy. I'm not just the dude that y'all saw, you know, having these photo ops um, with, with Trump. And, you know, a lot of them, you, a lot of them that you're not going to get back because they put that, they, they. Oh yeah. So, some, when they saw that image, yeah, they're like, I'm, I'm done. permanently you know, done. They put, they put their political ideologies, you know, before the art. And um, in, in yeah. most cases, right. In most cases, rightfully so, you know, but a lot of us, we, a lot of us, we cultural critics. And you know, like we gonna give we gonna give Kanye that that one that one shot. You know, we gonna we gonna listen to it, <laughs> see 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 what you're dealing with, and then, <laughs> and see then if I'm, it's gonna, I'm gonna go on about my life. Um, Drake, yeah, on the other hand, um, Drake, on the other hand, I feel with Scorpion, he Scorpion was his "I Had Something to Prove" album, and um, yeah. it was the first time he was like really threatened. That Pusha yeah. T like. That was just, he was really like, that was his like first like major, like just mm-hmm. like chink in the armor. Yeah, even like, you know, like I can, I, I can, I can be touched, you know, because yep. we all thought it was going to be Meek. That was the, the oh, mm-hmm. you can be touched. And then back to back comes and then it's just like, oh man, like. Mm. Yeah, no, nobody know. touching him. <laughs> but, um, but Pusha, like, yeah, like he's, it showed that Drake, you, you can be touched, like. You you went up against one of the greats, you know, one of the greats in this culture, and so um, Scorpion did what it what it had to do, and I and so I feel like this next album is more of a it's it's more of a celebratory album. I mean, you know, Cuz just ended up winning Artist of the Decade at the at the Billboard yeah. Music Awards. I feel like there's gonna be a lot of celebration yeah. on this on this like project. This, this this the celebratory joint, and so. Um, I feel like we're gonna get more of that feel, um, but at the same time, I feel like he still wants to prove how much he has as far as the as far as bars um, are concerned. And the reason I say it, you feel as though it's gonna be more bars than 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 are like R and B and dancehall. Um, you know, I feel like it's gonna be a good mixture, put it that way. But okay. I, I feel like. He's still gonna have a lot of joints where he he wanna give us bars. And the reason I say that is because, like, you know, he just randomly popped up on that song with him, Nikki, him, Nikki, and and Lil Wayne. And, you know, yeah. it was boom, 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 bar after bar after bar after bar on that. And and not just from him, from all of them that was on it on that track. Yeah. yeah all of them came with and it. Like that was like that was vintage young money. That that was vintage young money. They used that one track to just show like, hey, so you know, we we just don't do these pop joints. Like we really rap. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I I feel like that's 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 the energy that we gonna get from Drake. Um, this this upcoming year, when, whenever he he do decide to drop this this project, which I I feel like that's gonna be a this year scenario as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our Malcolm X review. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into our Malcolm X review. And to start with the overview, Malcolm X is a 1992 epic biographical drama film about the African-American activist Malcolm X, directed and co-written by Spike Lee. Um, the film stars Denzel Washington in the, in the title role, as well as Angela Bassett, Albert Hall, Al Freeman Jr., and Delroy uh, Lindo. Uh, Spike Lee has a supporting role while Black Panther Party co-founder Bobby Seale, the Reverend Sharpton, um, and future South African President Nelson Mandela, Nelson Mandela make cameo appearances and it is the second of four film collaborations between Washington and Lee. Um, it had a budget of $35 million and brought in $73 million in the box office, also having an 89% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And Denzel was a nominee for Best Actor, and Ruthie Carter was a nominee for Best um, Costume Design in the, in the 93 Oscars. Um, but looking back at this film, um, Jamil, just what are your initial thoughts of it? And, and as, it's, as it's really just considered one of the great um, screen biographies ever put together by Spike Lee. Yeah, I feel like this is yeah. one of Spike Lee's greatest films, um, ranking up there with yes. uh, ranking up there with Do the Right Thing. Um, for me, it's always neck and neck between Malcolm X and Do the Right Thing as um, what could possibly be Spike Lee's greatest films. I edge it out more with Malcolm X just because. Um, so every great director yes. has like their epic. Like has like the, the the epic film. Um Orson Welles had Citizen Kane. Um John Singleton, John Singleton literally started out his career with his epic film, Boys in the Hood. Um and then, you know, Spike. Spike had Malcolm X. Like, you know, the 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 budget for Malcolm X, the the means that he had to go in order to get Malcolm X completed. Um all of that, like that, that was incredible. Um, yeah, like this, this, this is arguably Spiley's Spiley's best film. This is argu- arguably um, Denzel Washington's yeah. greatest. That, that was another question I had. That was period. another question I had because he's mm-hmm. had so many like great acting performances. Like, is that is that also like another big takeaway that it's just like I feel as though when you think of Denzel, there's so many films you think of, but this is the one you just you you can't forget. You can't like race out of your brain because it's always just it's it's a top five it's a mount rushmore film for denzel mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely like I've, I've i always say that they have those um mm-hmm. the, we're sorry yeah. oscars that they give to that they give the actors and the oscar the best actor oscar that denzel won for for training yes. day was the we're sorry oscar that Malcolm X. they should have gave him for this. They should, yeah, they should have given him best actor for Malcolm X, hands down. Like that, and and Charlie Chaplin went. I mean, um, um, Robert Downey wins for Chaplin. Like you know, nobody remembers that. Nobody's they, going they, back and revisiting that film. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. played. No, at all. But everybody, like, I don't, I don't know how many times I've sat and just watched Malcolm X. Like, it's it's one of the main reasons. As to why, um, it honestly is one of the main reasons to why I do the work that I do. Like I actually, I actually, I actually saw Malcolm X in theaters the weekend that the the actual. How, how was that experience? That, that had to be out. like a, a crazy experience. Um, I was living in Atlanta at the time, yeah. and so this is '92, and this was, and if I'm not mistaken, wow. this was the summer of '92. Um, so I'm I'm 11 I'm 11 going on 12. My pops come and pick me up, um, because I used to spend the weekends with with my father, 
And he was like, you've been asking, he was like, man, you've been asking me about this for like the last couple of months. Like, um, you know, Malcolm X come out today, you know, we're going to see it. I was <laughs> sure. like, yes. Like, Without a doubt. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. And so um, we went straight to the movie theater. And so the, the, the movie itself. Yeah, is it's like, a long one. Three hours and 21 minutes. Um, normally you would think that an 11 year old ain't staying up for three hours. I stayed up the whole Man. three hours and 20, like the entire three hours and 21 minutes. I wasn't missing anything from this film. And, um, it changed my outlook of, it changed my outlook of Malcolm as a person. And then my father, we left the film going to his house and he was like, so I got something that I feel like you need to read. And then the very next day, he handed me a copy of the autobiography of Malcolm X. And it was the film plus reading the autobiography of Malcolm X that, like, it, 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 switched, my whole, it switched my whole mind frame up about how I wanted to approach being a Black person in, being a Black person in this country. You know, I come, I come from Atlanta. Like, Atlanta is the, is the home of MLK, you know. And they, they give you the surface you know, as a, as a kid, they give you the surface views of the surface ideologies yeah. of MLK and Malcolm, and um, my whole outlook changed mm-hmm. seeing seeing Malcolm X. Um, my whole outlook changed of as far as the uh, the type of ideology um, that I, I I wanted to have as a black person in this country, and um, you know, I, I owe Spike Lee. I owe Spike Lee and Spike Lee and Denzel Washington for that one. Like, yes, incredible, like incredible. From and I mean, even with it being so long of a film, like that, that may be some people's critique, but I don't think there was one minute that needed to be taken off. I feel as though like the full three hour and twenty one minutes of just just how he was able to put 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 everything to get together was just like an amazing tapestry and just uh, just a phenomenal achievement. Um, but to, to get to our first topic, from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, this is a clear, just four-star film to me as, you know, such a bold, comprehensive and an unflinching film uh, with great storytelling and just the complexity um, of the character being analyzed and brought to life, which is so remarkably done. Um, but to you, like, to rate this film from one to four stars, uh, what would you, what would give be your particular rating and some of your reasons for it? Oh, yeah, this is a top, yeah. this, this is a top-rated film. This, this is definitely a four-star film. Um, the Acting performances in it were, were incredible. Um, you have um, Angela Angela Bassett is 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 incredible as Betty Shabazz. Like like she she embodied yeah. Betty Shabazz so much so that when um, so much so that when Mario Van Peebles decided to do a film about the Black Panther Party, um, he he did his he did his Black Panther Party film in this in the same era that um, Spike Lee did Malcolm X, and he brought Betty Shabazz back. I mean, he brought Angela Bassett back to play Betty Shabazz in the Black Panther film um, because one of the key things that happened with the Black Panther Party was, I think it was like maybe. Forty-six months after Malcolm dies, um, after Malcolm is assassinated, Miss um, Shabazz goes over to um, 
So no, I'm sorry. Like, and then take that back. It was like a couple of years after. Um, Mr. Bass goes over to Oakland to to speak, and um, the Panthers were hired as security, and it was like one of the biggest turning points for for them as as a group, and so um, they had that in in the film. And so Mario, they was asking, you know, Mario and his dad were the ones who put the film together, were executive producers of the film. And they were they were racking their brain. They was like, yo, yeah. who are we going to get to play Betty Shabazz? And then Mario Mario was like, like, why are we looking for somebody? Like, we just need to call Angela and see what she doing. Because there's nobody else. Who else are we getting to play Betty yes. Shabazz? Like, she killed that. Like if we get somebody else to play it, like they is that person is just gonna end up being <laughs> yeah, definitely. Angela Bass. It's gonna go back to so her. They called, her. <laughs> they called her and she was like, Yeah. They called her and she was like, I'm with right. it. Because it wasn't a long scene. Like she was she was just in the in the movie for just one scene. Um, but she was like, Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. Like I'm I'm honored. I'm always honored to play. Um I'm honored, always honored to play Dr. Betty. So yeah. And she just came in, did did that one, did that yeah. one scene and then she was out. Um, but no, like she she absolutely was Betty Shabazz. Like she she was incredible. Um to to have um to have Bobby Seal, head of the Black Panther Party, uh, founder of the Black Panther Party, to have him, Al Sharpton, um, to have him and Al Sharpton in the movie. Um as as like the street preachers, um, I thought yes. I thought that was dope. I was also also thought it was dope that they didn't they didn't they decided not to stray away from from Malcolm's past. Yeah, they they addressed um, it and and, and because a lot heavy and 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 I feel like that was a good thing because I I feel like it was able to show people how um how you can still come yeah. from the mud, come from the dirt and still, you know, rise to become someone of, of esteemed promise, mm-hmm. um, and esteemed glory. And so that's, that's, that's what, that's what Malcolm, you know, cause you know, you only really hear about, you know, when you talk about this in, in black, during black history month, which is literally, I feel like the only time they ever teach us about Malcolm X, um, but when you talk about talk about this and you talk about Malcolm X, you're, for the most part in school, they're only talking about, you know, his time with the nation and that's it. And so to, to understand, you know, he was a, he was a Harlem hustler to, to understand that, yeah. you know, he did time, he, 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 he did time. And that's how he initially received his conversion into the nation um to to see what he went through um in order to get to being Malcolm X and the 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 transformation from from Detroit Red mm. to Malcolm yes. X is it's amazing, you know, and, and it's to be applauded um what Spike Lee went through in order to get this film made and what Spike Lee had to go through in order to even get it completed. Um, 
because he knew there was more stuff that needed to be done. Um, Even the process, the process of completion was another like hurdles for him to go through as well. Yeah, he knew there was more stuff that needed to be done. Warner Brothers weren't right. trying to get him no no more money, and so he started calling people. Um, he called Oprah. He's like, "Yo, I'm trying to get this movie done. How much? You, how much can you give me?" And all these people who gave him money, they were like, "Yo, it's not a loan. Like, no one understands. Wow. It's not a loan. I don't need this money back. Like, we good." Um, Oprah gave him money. Bill Cosby gave him money. Um, Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan gave him money. Janet Jackson gave him money. Tracy Chapman gave him money. Michael Jackson gave mm. him money. Prince the list gave goes him on and money. Like, you know, um, yeah, like I, I remember him saying in an interview, um, remember him saying in an interview how he was able to get money from, from Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan was, um, he was like, I had to figure out which one yep. I needed to call first. Seems like so. I called Magic first, and I asked Magic like, "Yo, I need this money to finish this film. How much money you gonna give me?" And Magic wrote him the check and sent him the check. So he got the check from Magic, and he called Michael because he knew Michael was a a, a competitive individual. And he he called Mike, and he was like, "Yo, MJ, I need this money. Um, Magic gave me." <laughs> Such and such, such and yeah. such. How much you giving me? So I'm gonna and top this. He, he I'm gonna top this easy. <laughs> he with, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like he he Michael Jordan. It's like a personal. Yeah, it became personal for him. Yeah. So he was like, "Oh, Magic gave you that? Mm, okay. Yeah. But I'm I'm giving you this. You know. Mm-hmm. And you tell Let him Magic know. I gave you. <laughs> it was just it's funny. Yeah. So, but it is like, but for them to want to do that because of the magnitude of, of what needed to be shown on screen. I was, it was just, I, I, yes, I commend all of them. Like who, who gave Contributing to this for, for, for this cause. Yeah. Cause it, it, it changed a lot of us, a lot of us that does this organizing work, a lot of us that does this activism work, um, from my era, like we can attribute, Malcolm X as a as a key Malcolm X the film as a key component as to why we we do we do the work that we do. Um so yeah, dope. Yeah, absolutely. An incredible film. Like Yeah, and, and getting to to favorite character, um I mean obviously Malcolm X is the the overarching like just just character and the one you focus on the most. Another character that we we're mentioning with with Betty Shabazz, mm-hmm. I just feel as though that performance was so exceptional from Angela Bassett as, you know, being the late activist wife and just all of the scrutiny and internal pressure that came with it and just uh, portraying it so beautifully. And it's just, you know, riveting from the moment she's introduced and her performance is just another one that stands out to me. Um, Looking back at this film, like who was kind of like one of your favorite characters in this one? Um, Absolutely. Betty Shabazz. Also um, the the character of Betty Shabazz, the, the, the complex character mm. of Elijah Muhammad, um, and the and the reason behind that is because you understand what he what it is that he's initially trying to do mm-hmm. to um, to bring the nation forth, um, but then when all this stuff starts coming out about him and you know having multiple women within the nation and 
these babies, things of that nature. Like when when this stuff starts coming out and his explanations and stuff behind it, and then him not wanting anybody from the nation to to speak on any real strong political, have any strong real real strong political stances, especially when Kennedy gets assassinated around that time and you know Malcolm's infamous um chickens yeah. come home to roost um quote in the Washington Post you know and and um the honorable Elijah Muhammad silencing silencing Malcolm which is which is basically one of the main reasons as to why Malcolm walks right. from from the nation um you know like I I, I think you have to have that you you have to have that in the film in order to show, you know, the next direction that Malcolm was headed headed into be- before um, his assassination. So yeah, definitely Betty Shabazz and um, Betty Shabazz and Elijah um, and Honorable yeah. Elijah Muhammad. Yeah. Um, and now getting into most memorable scenes. Um, I, the first one I had was um, God is black, where where Baines encourages. Malcolm to question what he's been taught. I'm um, also converting mm-hmm. to Islam. Uh, Islam. Malcolm submits himself to Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam. Uh, March to the hospital where, where Malcolm leads protesters to the hospital. Um, blind to the truth, Betty confronts Malcolm about the accusations against Elijah Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Um, the pilgrimage to Mecca. Malcolm makes a pilgrimage to Mecca and reevaluates his beliefs. Um, also, defend yourself. Where um, Malcolm explains his his revised beliefs at a press conference. Um, home attack where Malcolm X's enemies attack his house, and then finally. Um, the death of Malcolm X, where Malcolm X gets uh, shot in the, the Audubon uh, ballroom. Um, but looking back yeah. at, at some of the memorable scenes, like what are a couple or a few that kind of like stand out to you and ones that you revisit and think about a lot? Um, so one of the ones, so one of the scenes I, I absolutely do revisit is the first initial, the first initial interaction between Malcolm and Malcolm and Betty. Um, when he's speaking in the temple and Baines, the character of Baines introduces um, Malcolm to Betty and Betty, you know, um, says, you know, what does the, I think she said, what, like, what did the the, the prophet do um, in between, you know, saving and healing souls? Um, He made sure to eat. Yeah. And then she walks off. And, you know, Baines looks at Malcolm and is like, hmm, she's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then it just, yeah. that, that goes into this, that goes into this whole thing of them having their first real, like, um, up close interactions yeah. with, with, with each other, um, which that leads into, um, cause they're, they're sitting in the, they're sitting in the diner having ice cream and that leads to, um, that leads to Baines' son, who was played by uh, Roger from What's Happening. At least the Baines' son coming in and letting Malcolm know about the the guy getting his head beat in, which leads to the march to the hospital scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, of course, that's that's literally my next favorite scene oh, yes. that I always yeah. I always have to look at. Um, the the quote from the police officer: um, "That's too much power for one man to have." Man. You know. Um, knowing what you know, knowing what he really wants to say, but then also at the same time, you know, having an understanding that um, 
you know, this, this, one, this is a powerful moment. Yeah. And two, um, this is a moment, this, this is a, a shifting moment because it causes a shift within, it causes a shift within the nation because then immediately, um, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad makes, um, Malcolm essentially the, 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 the head minister that opens up all of the temples. Mm-hmm across um across the country basically um because before then i think the only temples that they had was in new york in chicago obviously because that's where um nation of islam headquarters is at it's in chicago um and in boston mm-hmm. yeah. all, all of the all of the temples that started sprouting up in other cities across the country um that's due to malcolm that um, mm-hmm. that's due to Malcolm X. So like all of the all of the temples that you see now in the country, um, he went to those cities. Um, he went to those cities, used the same formula of galvanizing people around this spiritual ideology of Islam, mm-hmm. and then boom, you know, a temple sprouts. Yeah. So, um, and I, I think for me, the 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 actual um, death scene, as I like to call it. Um, nobody really knows. Like, uh, nobody really pays attention to this when it comes to Spike Lee. But every film that Spike Lee does, Spike Lee has what I like to call the Spike Lee gliding moment. Yeah. Where he uses that glide camera and it looks as though the and it looks as though the person that he has that camera on is gliding. Yes. It happens in every, every one of his films. Every Spike Lee movie. And the moment you see, the moment you hear Sam Cook, change is gonna come. My goodness. And Malcolm gets out of the car and he's gliding. And that woman walks up on him, like, I know who you are. You know, just, you know, keep your head up and hold and hold your faith. Um, the first time, literally the first time I saw the movie, 11 years old, I see the glide and I'm like, oh, he finna, like, we at that moment. Yes, yeah, around. Like, like, this this is when it's gonna happen. He he about to die. Yeah. Uh, I, I was having I was sitting in the movie theater having to prepare myself. And you still not prepared for it when it like every time I watch this movie, even now, you still not prepared for it when, when it, it actually hits, when it just hits you. Yeah. Um but yeah, the 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 gliding the gliding scene is the indicator. Mm-hmm. The gliding moment is the is the indicator. Um, that something is um, in every Spike Lee movie. The gliding scene is the indicator yep. that something drastic is about to happen. Like we about to hit the shift, mm-hmm. the big shift, uh, and that was it. That was that was the big shift. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and now getting to most memorable quotes. Um, I had uh, a man curses because he doesn't have the words to say what's on his mind from Baines. Um, complete mm-hmm. separation is the only solution to the black and white problem in this country from Malcolm X. Um, yeah. I know how you feel like you, like you, I want to lay down and die. Um, I brought you something from Baines. Um, you will be in the public eye. Beware of the cameras from Elijah Muhammad. And uh, finally, mm-hmm. um, since neither one of us are God, I don't think either one of us are in any position to say, um, who's good and, and who's evil. Um, so looking back at some of the, and, and also that that's, that's too much power for one man to have 
from the police officer. That was another just uh, a really impenetrable quote and really communi- mm-hmm. conveyed a lot. Um, to you, kind of like what was what were some of your memorable quotes from this film? Um, the um, the same scene where the watch out for the cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, where that quote is, yeah. Um, not so much a quote, but a memorable moment mm-hmm. was the water, mm. the water cups. Um, the 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 water cup with the water cup with the ink in it represents all the all the filth and the gunk in the world. The water cup that's just um, pure and untainted, you know, represents what we can give black people, and what we can give black people is Islam. Yeah. Uh, um. Oh. I I I always. I'm I'm always using this quote. I'm always using this quote, and I don't know if it's a real quote that Malcolm X said or if it was one that was just written for the movie. Um, but the most memorable one, the most memorable quote for me is, um. We had an opportunity to have one of the greatest organizations in the world, and niggas ruined it. Yeah, that hit me. Yes, like that 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 hit me because I I because I watch, I've watched um, how certain organizations, um, how certain organizations and certain movements, even now within this within this modern movement. Um, how certain organizations have the potential to be something monumental, and then you just allow the and you just allow the 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 corrupted element to come in and just ruin and just ruin everything. Um, you know the the questioning of the questioning of Black Lives Matter as an organization, the the organization Black Lives Matter Global Network, right. questioning. The questionable tactics that they have around, that they've had around money issues, and that they've had around what we call the BLM 10, which was 10 chapters of Black Lives Matter um, leaving, leaving the organization um, because of um, distrust and and things of that nature. Um, you know, like if, if you need more information on it, just just Google, just Google the BLM, the BLM 10 yeah. or Black Lives Matter 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but things like that, like like I've 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 seen myself personally, things that have happened within organizing communities, you know, where we from in Pensacola, um, just in the state of Florida, period, where organizations could have been something monumental. But you allowed that corruptible element to come in and ruin it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I remember, <clears throat> I remember being in my late twenties watching Malcolm X again, and I and I heard that quote, and I was like, "Ooh!" I was like, "That quote hit different now. Like it hits it. Yeah. It 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 after years from the original watch and being able to mm-hmm. ex- experience it differently. Yeah, it, it it hits different now, and so that that's. That's my favorite quote from from Malcolm X. That's literally my favorite quote from the from the film. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
and now transitioning to what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, to me, like especially between Betty Shabazz and, and Malcolm X, the the emotional, just open, candid moments about what he was experiencing, the the the, the weight of everything he was going to have to carry, and them just being candid with candid with each other the entire film, even when she was getting mm-hmm. the threatening phone calls later in the in the movie, and you just knew something was was about to happen. Um, drastically to, to Malcolm X and, and take away his life. Um, I thought that was a, a very fascinating element highlighted. Um, to you, kind of what in particular, what particular element about the storyline did you like the most? For me, it was. For me, it was the transition from leaving the nation, and then going to Mecca. Yeah. And embracing the true essence of what Islam of of what Islam is mm-hmm. and coming up and coming back as a um as what's considered a, a, a Sunni Muslim and adopting um the true nature and the true ideologies of Islam and also seeing that also seeing that there are many different types of Muslims. Right. From all from all walks of life. Um it it made him it made him realize then that what we're going through, what we're going through in the States, there are other people across the diaspora that's going through this as well. So now I've got to, so now I've got to look at this situation as a human rights issue. And I've got to look at this situation as a thing where, you know, we, can't just simply just rely on just black people right but what we need for other people who's coming into the movement to know and understand is you have to put you have to put the um you have to put the needs of black people first like i tell people this all the time like we need for we need for allies and we need for accomplices to understand that if you put if you put the needs of the most marginalized group first, um, this trickle down situation doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So the the the, the what I call the trickle up situation is looking down, looking out for the most marginalized, the most beat up first, because if you look out for them first, then everybody wins. Mm-hmm. Because if your most marginalized is winning. Then, sh- then surely it's gonna put you in a better place. Right. If everybody's eating. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and get into our last topic. Ten years from now, do you still think uh, this is what this will be watchable and intriguing? Every movie review we do this where we kind of like just take a view to see like another decade from now, can this still be a watchable and intriguing movie? Obviously, this is past um just just every um every metric you can look at, it's to the test of time. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I definitely think like this is just the the grabbing weight of the moment of this character and how important he was um, to 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 the black community and just everything he was trying to accomplish and how misunderstood he was because he really is a misunderstood figure in today's society right. and people view him as a villain instead of just a real hero and just a voice uh, um um just j- just for the for for black people and what he was trying to convey. Um, this is definitely going to be a watchful and intriguing film. W- what do you think? even for the, the the newer viewers that are going to see this in the future, like what do you think will continue to make this a watchable and intriguing movie a, a decade, another decade from now? 
I think either this year or next year is the 30th anniversary of this film. Mm -hmm. And we're still having conversations about it. We're still digging deep into it as a film. Right. Not just the impact of the person that this film is made about, but just as a film, we're still actually sitting down and having conversations about this film. Yeah. And, And the significance not only to cinema, but to the Black community and how we approach organizing and activism work. This 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 film is used as a tool, as as a tool for that. Um, so yeah, like this, this film has this film itself has already stood the test of time, and it's going to continue to stand the test of time long after we're we're all gone. Um, you know, Malcolm Malcolm X is going to be. Malcolm X is always going to be considered a phenomenal, phenomenal movie, um, and a movie that is, and a movie that's worth, um, worth the viewing pleasure and the price of admission. So, yeah. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Jam- Jamil, it's been an absolute pleasure um, having you on uh, this episode. Just thank you so much for for just being gracious with your time, the insights that that you've given, and um, well, we're definitely going to do this in, in, in the near future again, man. I mean, I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for um for having me. And um, you know, keep at this man. This is this is a dope podcast and this is Thank you. um this has been a dope experience. Thank you, bro. Absolutely. Well that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host Winter Burns. This has been full scope. See you later. <laughs>